Amen. You can grab a seat this morning. Well, as I mentioned, um, we're taking just a, a one-week break from our kind of journey through the book of Hebrews. We've been in that thing for 29 weeks, and we're taking a little break for a couple of reasons, mainly just because I, I didn't get the week where I wanted it to be to where I could write for this Sunday and write for the retreat and write for the Going Deeper class and all those things. And so, But I, I really thought a lot about it on Thursday, and I just thought it would be a great week just for us to stop because what I'm walking through and what we're teaching about this weekend on the retreat is actually very applicable to kind of where my heart is and I think where a lot of us are. And, and a lot of what we did this weekend was talk about rest, this idea that rest is first and foremost spiritual. We're actually called to something much greater than a lot of, the li- than a lot of what us are living in our current lives. And it really came out of a conversation Meredith and I had, my wife and I had, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had both worked late. It was in long days. And um, we'd come off a really brutal weekend. My 16-year-old had five baseball games. We had two in Tahlequah and three in Cashin and all kinds of places. And those are like, he's 16, so like real baseball games, not like the 55 minutes, you know, but like real take forever games. And uh, we were just beat. And we came off this FaceTime call with my daughter who's at OU who's struggling a little bit and it's hard. And I look over and her, she is just sobbing. And I just thought to myself, as I was just tired, I just thought, this is not really what we're created for. And I'm not just talking about running from one thing to another, because it wasn't that we were just physically tired. We were just really, really beat and spiritually beat. We weren't kind of running with the kind of hearts that we wanted. We weren't walking with the Lord like we needed to. We just were missing. We were disconnecting. We were disconnecting with our family. Like our, our, our lives were going in different directions. And I just felt beat. I was telling Brandon, I said, you know, part of what we probably should explore this weekend on retreat for my heart is just what does real rest truly look like? Because a lot of us live in that same place and it's not all the time, but we live in that place where we feel like we're going from one thing to another or from this to that or life just is a series of things and we end up feeling emotionally burdened and we tell ourselves that if I can just get done with this, finish this project at work, we can just get our, our baby to sleep in the night, we can just kind of tackle this financial burden, then, then on the other side of that, things will be okay. Like we'll be really rested or we'll feel like we have our, our handle on our time or we'll re- refocus on our marriage or we'll start date nights again or we'll just, we keep telling ourselves these things. But what happens when those things are over is there's another set of things. doesn't matter what it is. Something else is on the horizon. You wake up one day and it's three years down the road and you just look at your life and you just say, man, I am really tired. And this is not new. Now, of course, we have more things going on, but Jesus actually addresses this whole idea of rest Several times, but he addresses it head on in the book of Matthew in this really kind of powerful passage in which he invites us to something really remarkable. And for a long time, I actually thought I had my handle on the, I had a handle on the idea of rest. I think there's some things in our life we think we have a handle on or we know, but it turns out that maybe we don't know as much as we thought we did. I think I told this story before. I used to be that way with like aviation, like flying. I used to think I kind of knew how it worked until I was flying out one day and I realized that everything that I understood about flying and aviation was wrong. We were boarding this plane. I don't even remember where I was going. We were in Lubbock, which is where I was living at the time. And we didn't have a big airport there. I mean, it's the most beautiful city in the country. But outside of that, 
They don't have a great airport, right? That's the one thing they don't have going for them. That and trees. There are none of those either. But, but who's looking for trees, right? So anyway, we're flying out. It's a little American Airlines. It's one of those small little puddle jumpers with one row on one side and two on the other. And it was uh, sort of full, and I don't remember where I was going. But as we were about to back out, the pilot comes out over the loudspeaker, and he says, uh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a weight disbursement issue, and so we're going to have to sort that out for a little bit, and then we'll be pushing back. And I thought, oh, you know, they're going to go underneath, and shuffle the bricks, I don't know, whatever's down there they're going to do. And so the stewardess comes out and she kind of walks down the aisle, right? And she's looking at everybody and she's seeing the empty seats and she kind of stops right where I am and she goes, uh, sir, if you don't mind sliding over there. And I was like, oh, sure, you know, because she's going to start moving everybody around. That's all good. And so she kind of taps my knee and so I, I gather up my treasures, right, and all the stuff I had and I kind of slide over there and I, I sit in that seat, like literally one seat over there. And then she kind of looks at everybody and she goes, that should do it. And I was like, and I walk ashamed this thing to the other side of the plane, like fatties crawling to the other side. It's all right, you guys. Sorry, I almost killed us, you know, because what was going to happen? Boom, we're just going to flop over. And I started thinking, like, I mean, I'm not a dumb guy, but I'm not the smartest guy. But, like, if that was all that was coming between us literally not being able to fly, I may never get on a plane again. I mean, I had no idea. But the idea that I think a lot of us have some thoughts about things, but we realize that our thoughts really aren't off. We don't realize how important they are. And rest is one of those things for me. I've always just thought if I can just get to a place, maybe we take a vacation or we can clear this financial hurdle, or as a family we can just do this, then everything will kind of come together. And I woke up one day, and it was 25 years later, married 25 years, and my kids are kind of grown, and we're still dealing with the same battles, the same battles. And my heart oftentimes just feels really tired, really tired. And so Jesus actually addresses this because this is not how we are called to live. He actually calls us to something much bigger. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to flip to Matthew chapter 11. I want to do this pretty quickly, but I want you to see these things that he invites us into because they will revolutionize the way that you think about your heart and your rest and your family if you really, really, really pay attention to them. So let's take a moment, flip over to Matthew 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 28. We're going to look at three short verses this morning. Hopefully you've heard them and you're familiar with them, so this shouldn't be new stuff. But we're going to try and take a new look at it this morning. So before we do that, let's just pray and let's ask the Lord to teach our hearts this morning. God, we thank you for the reality that we are called into this beautiful life that is full of joy, that is full of peace, that gives literally rest for our souls. Lord, you are not a God of chaos. You don't call us into a life of chaos. You actually invite us into something more beautiful. Lord, a lot of times our chaos is self-inflicted. A lot of times our chaos is a result of the fact that we don't trust you or that we say we do, we don't live like it. But you invite us into this beautiful rest, this rest that trusts you, that believes that you are God, Lord, and wants to see you move. So Lord, this morning as we just take a few minutes and we break from our study of the Hebrews, I just pray that you would teach our hearts, that you would instruct us, that you would convict us and maybe even empower us a little bit, that you would do what you will in our hearts. Take a moment right where you sit and just ask the Lord to teach you this morning. Maybe this is just something you need to hear, or maybe there's something buried in these verses that you just needed to be reminded of. Just ask the Lord uh, in your own heart, in your own prayer life this morning, just to teach you. Take a moment and pray for someone beside you. 
that person sitting to your right or left, maybe you don't know their name. We, uh, we like to pray for each other. We're really adamant about being a church that prays for each other. And just pray for them. Pray that God would move in them. Maybe it's your husband or your wife or a family member or just somebody you just met. Just pray that God would, would move. Everything that unfolds here on Sunday is not about you. Just ask the Lord to move in the people around you. Lord, we turn our entire morning over to you. We do ask, Lord, that you would bless our folks that are out north of Tulsa, that you would give them safe travels on the way back. And they're gathered right now in worship as well. And so, Lord, I pray that you would unite our hearts as a single family, as we study uh, the word and as they worship, Lord, that we would be uh, connected by our common love and worship for you, the King of Kings. And so, Lord, we are grateful for this morning, and we ask this in the risen name of Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. Amen. So these verses uh, are really familiar, hopefully, and they come on the tail end of a pretty lengthy section of discourse, a section of teaching that Jesus is doing, where he's teaching some really hard stuff. He's teaching some really difficult things to the disciples. He's calling them to be, a, well, to be above a lot of things and to, to really carry the banner that he has carried, and he's teaching difficult stuff, and he comes to the end of it, and it's almost as if he can tell that they're overwhelmed. He can tell that they are dealing with the how are we going to handle and manage all of these things. Like, this is so much. And so he drops in these verses in the middle of their chaos, and I think it's really fitting where or for where most of us or where a lot of us are at different times in our life. But this is what he says in verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, these are very familiar verses, hopefully. In fact, a couple years ago, I even explored these from a little bit of a different angle. But the idea that Jesus is saying is he's, he's giving this invitation first, right? He says, listen, to his disciples who he's really teaching there. He's like, I'm inviting all to come to me who are weary and burdened. And the first thing we see about this idea and understand about rest being spiritual as opposed to just physical is that anything that happens spiritually is because Jesus is giving the invitation, that means that none of us are going to get anywhere spiritually on our own. This is a, a very common truth throughout the entirety of Scripture. So that is God initiates, God invites, God does the drawing. We don't learn about God or know God because we found him. God reveals himself to us. Very important theologically. The reason that's important is because we will never discover God. God is too big, too grand, too amazing for our humanity to discover him. God reveals himself. He teaches. God exposes himself if you will, to the heartbeat of people, and he does the inviting. So all through Scripture we see this. God calls Abraham. God invites Moses. God does all of these things. He takes the fishermen and tells them to drop their nets and follow him. He looks at Peter and says, come walk to me on the water. Like Jesus, they're always doing the inviting, the Godhead is. And so we see this actually happening here. Jesus says, come to me, right? I am inviting you to come to me if you are weary and burdened. So here's the thing. Jesus is inviting. He is sending an invitation to you because he desires you to have something different than what you're currently experiencing. What Meredith and I were looking at each other and feeling that night on that, on that couch, God does not want us to live there. He invites us into something different. And he gives two categories. He says, if you are falling into one of these places, you are invited to something better. If you are weary or you are burdened. Now, weary is the idea of sort of this physical connotation of, of tired, right? It's the actual 
physical part. It just says, I am flat out worn out. I'm weary. It's like that long hike or that run or that whatever where you just feel like you're not getting enough sleep or maybe we're, we're raising a little one and that little one's up all the time and I still got to go to work in the morning and I come home and my wife needs a break or we're trying to do this and I just feel tired or nothing seems to work in our house and every time I go to turn a knob, something else breaks and then I spend my weekend fixing it instead of doing something that I wanted and I'm just really tired. I am weary. And you can get weary not just from running a marathon. You can get weary from a car trip, right? Like you can be tired from riding eight hours in the car with your family. Like weary is that part of us that just says, I am kind of ground down. Like I'm just, I'm almost over it. I'm just tired. And if you think that the disciples didn't experience that because they didn't have a lot of the modern day things, you're wrong. They walked everywhere. Jesus drug them all over the Judean countryside. Right? They were constantly bombarded with people that wanted and needed things. They brought their sick to them all the time. It was never escaping the pressure of what it was to follow Jesus. There was either the Pharisees or the broken or the hurting or the crippled or the blind. There was always something. And then there was a the threat of death. There was a the loss of their families. There was a the walking away from their careers. Like They were a weary group of people also. And so Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary. And then he says, and burdened. And burdened is that piece of life that is the emotional side, right? Like when you're burdened, you are carrying. Some of your verses may say heavy laden. The idea that we are carrying this thing around or things around. And I feel like that's where more of my burden comes from than just being physically ground down. A lot of times it's the fact that I feel like I carry a lot of things, right? We're watching our daughter go through some hurt and that is hard. Our 16-year-old is fully 16, Right? Speaking is just something that annoys him. Like, it's just, why would I want to talk to you at times, right? Tired. And I feel like I carry the burdens for a lot of people, too, because they'll call. They'll say, Trevor, you know, we're struggling with this, or I've got this. And I love that, but it's hard because I want so much. I want their marriage to work. I want this to happen. And, and I carry burdens. And I'm carrying the burdens of my own family. And I just feel like, at times, there's a lot of burden on my heart. Because it matters to me. There are things that I care about. And I begin to worry and it transforms into anxiety or it transforms into just sometimes fear. Which all are things, of course, that aren't from the Lord. I know that full well. But how I shed those things is often really hard. And Jesus says, come to me if you are weary or burdened. Burdened. So we don't necessarily have to be super busy to be burdened, right? It's just hard. You're carrying a, maybe you're shouldering a load for your husband or your wife because you know they're going through a difficult thing at work or they're having a hard time with friendships or just your relationship with your parents is really hard. Like you're carrying a lot of weight there. I think if we really look at our lives, we fall into these categories um, at different times. And sometimes when it comes together, we just feel really really done. And Jesus says, come to me if you fall into these things at all. Like you are invited into something totally different. And I don't think most of us realize that we really are called into a different life. We are not called to that. We oftentimes think that following Jesus means we have to take up our cross. We've got to follow him. The Christian life is going to be hard. It's going to be a burden. And we're going to walk through it. And while that is somewhat true, the reality is, as we're going to see today, is we're actually called to that. But that is not hard. Jesus tells us that when we truly trust him, it's actually light and easy. And so if we're carrying these heavy things, we're probably doing something wrong. And so he invites him. He says, come to me all you who are burdened. 
And he says, I will give you rest. The back part of 28. Come to me, all you who are in burden, and I will give you rest. So it's Jesus that gives rest. And this is really important because you can't give it to yourself. And a lot of times we make these bargains with ourselves. Okay, if I can just finish this, then we're going to do this. So if I could just get through this season, then I'm going to take a break and we're going to fully focus on something else. Or we're going to start our date nights back up once I get through this, this tax season. Or once I get through this season at work. Or once we save up enough money, we're going to go on vacation. And that vacation is going to change everything. And we do that often with the Lord. We're like, Lord, once I get through this season, we're going to start going back to church. We really will. Or I'm going to get back into really praying. Or I'm going to start reading my Bible. We start bargaining with God. Thinking that if I can just get through these things on the other side, then there's break or there's easy or there's whatever. But the truth is, you and I know this, on the other side of that is just something else. You always come home from a vacation. You ever been on a vacation you come home from and you're just more tired? If you have a family and children, that is vacation. You come home and you're like, I need a break from my break. Have you ever taken the kids to Disney or anything remotely? You ever just gone to Frontier City? You come home and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I need a day off. Because we think these things are going to relieve what we're going through and they just don't because they're addressing the wrong things. You and I typically don't need just a day away. We need an entirely different way of looking at life. Because rest is actually spiritual. It's not physical. Meaning that a day to catch your breath or two days to catch your breath will only last for a short period of time before this all happens again and we find ourselves in these vicious cycles. And Jesus says, I am the one who will give rest. And the reason Jesus gives rest is because he's the only one that can. Because it's spiritual. You will not find it on your own. You can find moments of break and you can find moments of brevity or moments of breath. But Jesus will give rest and he will give it, as we'll see in a moment, to your soul. Now a lot of us would love a vacation, but I'll tell you what I really want is I just want a break for my soul. And that's what Jesus offers. And so he says this, come to me all you weary and burdened and I will give you rest. So Jesus invites, Jesus gives rest, right? But then here's the real kicker in all these verses that just blows me away. Is that rest is actually associated with submission. Now think about that for a minute. In verse 29 he says this. Verse 29 Jesus says, says, come to me all you weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So a yoke was something that they would have been incredibly familiar with in agrarian society. It was, it was really used in two ways, uh, the idea. The first idea was that it was an actual very practical item that was used in farming. It was a yoke that went on an oxen or on a donkey or on a mule. It went on a livestock animal, and it was meant to make those tasks that you had, like plowing a field or pulling a cart, better or easier. And you would take your oxen or whatever to a carpenter. That carpenter would measure that animal. And then out of wood, he would carve a yoke. And that yoke typically went over the animal's neck, either all the way around it or at least over its shoulders. You'd bring that animal back for a final fitting so that it fit well. And when that animal then was strapped into that yoke, you could give it direction You could pull back on the range. You could have it go forward. But it was able to do the task, and it was able to do the task with ease because it distributed weight. So in order to do what it was called to do, it had to submit to this idea that somebody else is going to be giving me direction. And when an oxen or an animal took on that yoke, that yoke was not painful. It was not hard. It didn't rub and create blisters. It wasn't brutal. It was actually a 
tool to make the workload easier for the animal that was pulling while you were very much in charge. The idea of yoke was also used in terms of a teaching setting. Oftentimes, a traveling rabbi, and remember, Jesus wasn't the only one of these traveling rabbis around. There actually was a very strong culture for people that would follow teachers around. John the Baptist is a great example. John the Baptist is out there proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God. He had his own set of disciples. But to sit under a teacher, a rabbi, you often would take, would take the yoke of that teacher, is what it was, the term was. So I would sit under their instruction. That teacher would give me their yoke, and I would learn from them. So when Jesus says my yoke is easy, he's actually instructing, saying when you learn from me, when you take my submission, when you submit to me, right, the learning is actually easy and it's actually light. Because here's the thing, rest, strangely so, is actually associated with submission. Meaning fully that when we give our lives fully to Christ, when we submit our authority to his, life actually gets easier to carry and to bear. Which is so countercultural. It's why the gospel throws everything upside down. Because we think that giving our control over to another person wouldn't actually relieve our tension. Wouldn't actually make life easier. But with Christ, when we release all of our things to him, we take his burden upon us. That burden is actually not heavy. It's actually light and easy and life gets manageable. And it's not that we quit doing things. Because the oxen are still pulling the plow. But the task becomes easier and it becomes less painful because it's light and easy. Meaning life's still going to have its moments that are really hard. You're still going to watch people you love or even your own children, even a marriage, go through difficult times. Following Christ is never a promise that those go away. But Jesus says, when you submit to me, they don't just become manageable. I take them. I lead you. I navigate you through them. I lead you down those rows. I dodge the pitfalls for you because I'm in control. And you don't have to carry the weight of being weary and burdened. So rest comes not when we're committed to Christ, but when we are submitted to Christ. There's a very big difference in being committed and submitted. Being committed is the idea that like, hey, I'm all in. Being submitted says, hey, I'm all yours. Very big difference. We can very much be committed to something and never never fully submit to its authority. Jesus doesn't need our commitment. Your commitment is worthless. It actually will fall and fail all the time. If you've ever tried to commit to the Lord on anything, truth is we always fail. What he desires and what the gospel calls us to is actually submission, death to self. He just says, die to you, right? Death to you. And trust me, fully trust me. And so if you're looking for rest, right, here's what we've learned so far. We're looking for rest for our souls. We are not going to find it at the end of doing less things. We're not going to find it at the end of trying to get a few ideas in our life under control, finances, you know, my marriage, getting my kid to finally be potty trained, like whatever those is. There's no, the end of that rest does not exist. Because rest is something we're invited into and something that Jesus gives when we fully submit to him only. And then that rest is not necessarily what we define it as. It's not all vacations and breaks. He says, I will give you rest for your souls. Meaning your life may still be really busy. You may not be able to escape the challenges at work or the fact that sometimes marriage is really hard or the fact that financial pressures are very, very real. Those things don't go away. 
But what Jesus gives is rest for your soul. That part of us that says, I don't have to be in fear or anxiety or worry about what's to come because I truly believe that Jesus, who is navigating my life because I'm wearing his yoke, will lead me where he wants me to go. That he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he won't let me just die out here alone. That he has my children. That he has my marriage. That he's got our finances. And we trust him. And so, Lord, just lead me. Direct my path. Do you know what it's like when you fully give that over to the Lord and you are no longer in control or feel like you're in control, uh, which is such an illusion anyway, of your own destiny? But to fully get over over to the God who gave everything, right? Who made everything, who brewed life into your lungs and formed the trees and the planets and says, I know all. And I know all before you ever even ask. Let me lead you. Let me show you what true life is. Relax. Submit to me, and I'm going to give you breath, literal breath for your soul, like room to breathe. Something that the non-believer, someone who's yet to surrender the rest of Christ, will never fully understand is the joy that comes in fully believing that God is absolutely in control. That I don't have to wonder or panic or fear. And the truth is that when we're living in this restless, burdened place, we're not fully giving ourselves over to those realities. That God is fully trustworthy, that he is fully in control, and that he will lead. We're actually doing the opposite of that. We're saying, God, I don't know that you can or that you will. And that's where the tension in our relationship with Christ usually exists. And I say I believe it, but I don't act like I do. And we come to that final piece of this puzzle, after he gives us rest for our soul, that final verse where he says this. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the other day I was sitting there looking at my life and my own family and I just thought, this does not define us, light and easy. Everything is heavy and hard. And I said, I know that we are living with the wrong yoke. I fashioned it myself. I made it. Um, I thought it would help. I thought I had it under control. I thought I could do all these things and I could lead this family. I could carry these things. And I fashioned the yoke myself and it is heavy and it is hard and I am tired and I want to cry. It's the opposite of what the promise is. And I think for a lot of us, we have saddled our hearts with the wrong yoke. And we've done it for a long time. And the thing is, in seasons, it's okay. It seems like we can navigate it. But if we truly stop for a moment, we realize that this is not what I was created for. To pull almost against the Lord. To try and create my own place and my own effort and my own style to get to where I think I need to be. When Jesus is calling me to let go, to die to myself and let him lead me. And I wonder why I'm constantly tired because I am pulling against the Lord. And it's not like it's crazy, terrible things. It's just the reality that I'm not fully submitted to him. I am in all of my words, but not with my life. I am very much in verbal, but not indeed fully submitted to Christ. And God knows that. And as long as I pull that way, it's going to be incredibly difficult. And that yoke is going to be hard. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meaning that when... You put that weight, I mean, these are giant wooden things. You put that weight upon your neck, the first thing you think is it's going to be hard and heavy. And Jesus says it's light and easy. It's the paradox of the Christian life. 
that what should be hard, Jesus says, and makes light and easy. So when we fully submit and we fully kind of give our hearts all in and we trust Jesus, it's not that life gets easier. It's that the task and the burdens get easier because you're not carrying them alone. Meaning you are not the sole provider for your entire family. You have a God who loves them more than you ever will. You are not the sole emotional support for all of your wife's or husband's struggles. You have a God who loves them more than you ever will. You are a tool that the Lord will use. You are not the end-all, be-all. You are not the Savior yourself. And if you're looking for peace and you've never given your life to Christ, you will look forever in vain and you will be restless because the only answer to that lack of peace is Jesus. And I really encourage you, when you get home today, at some point in time, just say, look at your spouse, or even if you're just on your own, just say, is my life light and easy? Even with everything we're going through, like, is this fun? Do I love my life? Do I wake up and say, I I love this? Or would words like weary and burden describe you? And be honest with each other. Because if those are the words that pop up, It's actually not a difficult solution. It's a reordering of our priorities, a true trusting and submission to Christ, and figuring out where you have taken your own yoke and your own weight and getting it off your shoulders. You cannot do it on your own. So if you're looking for rest, Jesus has already invited you to something better. He's the one that gives it. You'll never find it on your own. It begins in this idea of submission and you will find rest for your soul, not just rest for your physical kind of existence, but rest for your soul. And the dead giveaway is if you are not living a life that feels light and easy, even in the middle of difficult struggles. I gotta trust you. I believe you. You are who you say you are. The greatest freedom you will ever find is when you fully submit your life to Christ and just say, I can't do it anymore. It's all yours. So my prayer this morning as we kind of wrap all this up is to you just take an examination of your life. That's what we did all weekend. We had everybody look at our own lives and just say, am I at a place where I fully engage the idea that rest is spiritual, that God wants me to have it, and that it takes a reordering of my heart, a dumping of my own yoke and taking on the yoke of Christ and being submitted, not committed, submitted fully to him. About our worship team to come up and close our time out as we pray together and we'll carry these things out the door this morning and into the world. Lord, we thank you for this just opportunity to gather as a community. I love that we do get to explore what we were exploring this weekend with everybody else. Most of these things that happen on a Sunday that I teach about are really just personal. They're just overflowings in my own heart. I don't know if anybody's really dealing with it or not, but I know that I am. So oftentimes what I teach about, Lord, or what I preach about is what you're doing in my own life, and this is certainly what you're doing in me. And so, Lord, if it resonates with anybody else, fantastic. If not, I just ask you to do whatever you're going to do. Let's teach our hearts. Press those things upon us. But here's what I do know, Lord. I do know that no matter what phase of life we're in, whether we're just trying to walk with the Lord or we've never given our heart over to him or we have been walking with the Lord for decades, the call never really changes. You call us to yourself. You promise us something that the world can never give, which is rest for our souls. You tell us to submit to you, to die to ourselves and submit to you, and life actually gets lighter 
and easier and more bearable. Not because the difficulties go away, not because we're not going to have job loss or financial struggle or we're not going to go through hurt in this world, but because we don't walk through it alone. We have you that leads us and navigates us, distributes that pain and that struggle, takes it upon yourself, promises never to leave us nor forsake us. In the middle of life's struggles and difficulties, instead of feeling overwhelmed and burdened and afraid, Lord, we trust you and we feel peace and we feel hope. We feel light and we feel unburdened because we recognize that the God of the universe not just walks with us but leads us, has his yoke upon our shoulders, distributes the weight takes the burden, and gives us joy. And there is nothing greater in this life than to have the burden of the world exchanged for the joy of the Lord. So Lord, if we're here this morning, we're missing that. Just seal that into our soul. Lord, as we close our time in worship, I pray that you would be exalted, that you would remind us of our call, and that you would empower us to walk out of these doors refreshed and renewed, submitting our hearts fully to you, Lord, the God who gives rest. Let's stand together and close our time in worship this morning.